just, and this has just been a wonderful journey as we've been looking through the will of God and how we can come to know what God's will is for us and to know that we are doing this decision right and biblically. We're going to begin in 1 Corinthians, or 1 Kings, excuse me, 19. We're going to look at a familiar portion of Scripture. I'm going to pull out one principle uh, as we look at this text here in just a moment. Before we do, let's, uh, let, let's review here very quickly tonight and remind ourselves of the truths that we have looked at. First of all, we said we need a what kind of a mind? Sober mind. And remember, that's a serious mind. That's a mind that is weighing uh, the situation, realizing the effect that it has, not just on yourself, but also on everyone around. And making sure that you are walking circumspectly in your mind, weighing this decision very carefully and soberly. Then we said, what kind of a heart do we need? A pure heart. And a pure heart is truly a heart that is wanting to see God, is cleansing through the Word of God and wanting and earnestly looking to see what God has, desires to see God's will, and wants to do so through a clear windscreen, uh, through a clear piece of glass, if we could put it that way, wanting to make sure that we're seeing, seeing clearly what God has for us. And then we need a courageous spirit and of course a courageous spirit and faith uh, are very similar yet they are separate a courageous spirit of when god clearly shows what step to take it's that courageous spirit that's willing to take that step that's willing to take that step of faith and to and uh, uh, and to act on trust in the lord then we said wisdom Wisdom, if you'll remember, is looking at things in God's perspective. It's looking at things above my own perspective, above my own ability to see, and to looking in a perspective in which is a higher way, God's way, a way in which we can see from God's perspective. And then we said uh, the last tool that we need is faith. Faith, uh, the action of faith putting our belief and hope in God to action, acting upon those things and by faith taking what God has shown us and acting upon those areas. And so those are the resources. We've gathered the tools. Now we're beginning the step process. We said step one is to refuse to trust yourself. Remember we looked at Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Uh, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. The Bible teaches us not to lean to our own understanding. Uh, our understanding is finite. If we lean to his, it is infinite. And we can truly look at things in God's viewpoint and lean to him and trust God. We can trust the Lord. And truly, he is deserving and worthy of our complicit and full trust. Then last week, we looked at seek and surrender to God's will. Surrender to God, what God desires. Surrender, if you remember, we said it's like signing your name to a contract that is completely blank. Uh, you just sign your name and say, God, 
here's, here's my life. Take it, lead it, guide it, move it, whatever you want. I'm yours. I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to resist. Whatever you say is what I'm going to do. Where you lead is where I want to go. It is seeking and surrendering. It is surrendering to God's will and seeking God's will even before we know the question. I heard a statement recently, and I like it. Um, surrender can be summarized in this, in this way. Yes, God. Now tell me what's the question. <laughs> and that truly speaks to the heart of surrender. It's just, yes, God, what is it that you want me to do? And uh, when, he, when he relays, when he brings it clearly, it's okay. I've already said yes, I'm on my way. It is complete trust and complete surrender to God. And those are so vital, vital things. We are journeying through this on a purpose and a reason because we're culminating and we're going to uh, tie these things together together. Uh, uh, especially the next couple of weeks. And we're going to bring it all complete, nice and neat, um, as you will see God's will or God's decision-making process complete and formulate. But this tonight, we're going to be speaking on this subject about praying about your decision. Pray about your decision. And there's a reason why we put this as step three, and not as a resource, or not as even step one. And the reason is this, is because praying about the decision up until this point is pointless. That might kind of take us aback for just a moment, say, wait a minute, we've been, we've been talking about a decision, now you're saying praying about the decision until this point is pointless? Absolutely. Because number one, if our heart isn't surrendered, if our heart isn't fully surrendered to God, then we're not going to listen to how the Lord is leading, even though he's showing us how to go. We won't want it. We will, we will push against it because at this point we're not surrendered. And so praying about a decision that God is leading and we're refusing to surrender, it's pointless to pray about the prayer or about the decision. Our prayer ought to then be, God, teach me to surrender. God, help me to surrender. God, help me to have my will completely removed of this and help my heart to be fully surrendered upon you. Our prayer is not about the decision at this point but rather about our heart that is being prepared for surrender. And then once we've come to the point where we say, yes, God, now tell me what's the question. Once we come to that point where, God, you can take me wherever you want me to go, you can do with me whatever you want, wherever you lead, however you lead, with whomever you lead, it, uh, lead me with, it is, I am completely and utterly surrendered to you. At that point of surrender, at that point, we need to also remind ourselves, do we trust the Lord? For if we do not trust the Lord, then our prayer becomes likewise, God, I want to trust you. 
God, I've surrendered my will. I've surrendered. Now, God, I want to trust you, even though you might lead in a direction in which I don't see the outcome or I don't see how things are going to develop. I don't see how you are going to work in this situation. But God, I want and need to trust you. Help me to trust you is our prayer. All up to this point is preparing our hearts for one complete and utter trust upon the Lord. Utter, complete trust. Reminded of my boys who, uh, I think all of them have done this at some point where they'll be coming down the steps or on the, uh, they'll be uh, maybe walking on a bed when they were little and they would just simply jump right at us and uh, it's complete trust that daddy's going to catch them. Uh, they don't think of anything else. They just completely trust that daddy's going to wrap his arms around them and catch them. And that's the kind of trust that God wants for us. He wants us to simply say, God, I'm jumping. You better catch because I trust you completely and surrender to what you desire. Prayer is such a vital part of the process. Once our heart has come clean and pure before God, we trust him completely. Wherever he's standing, we're willing to just jump because we know he's got us. We know he's going to make a way. And we surrender. Whichever direction you want to trust, God. I hear your voice, and we'll talk more about this in just a moment. And God, you're showing me what direction you, or you're, you're leading me with your voice, where to jump. And God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to surrender that direction. I'm going to go the way in which you desire. Prayer is vital. I want us, as we think about prayer tonight, think about some questions about the decision-making process about prayer. For example, what does it mean to pray about a decision? How do we pray about a decision? Why do we pray about a decision? What is the motivator behind praying about a decision? And what is the expected outcome regarding prayer about a decision? So often we state this as we are thinking about a decision-making process. We say this statement often. I've prayed about it. <laughs> It can almost become trite, can it not? It can become in a way in which we blanket a lot of self-will and simple outright disobedience towards God by this simple statement, I've prayed about it. I've had people say, I've prayed about not ever going to church, and I feel that this God wants me never to go to church again. Wait a minute. <laughs> That's, a, that, that's completely contrary to the Word of God. I've heard stories of pastors who uh, counseling marriages and a man will say, I've prayed about leaving my wife and I believe it's the right, it's God's will for me to leave my wife and marry someone else. And Wait a minute. That's, that's not what God desires. 
you see, prayer can be something in which we just blanket our feelings and our emotions to satisfy or try to justify a position. In essence, it's dismissal of what God wants to do and dismissal of what God wants to do in our own hearts and wills. God wants us to avoid, and the Bible teaches us to avoid, self-deception even through a trite statement like I prayed about it. We need to be very careful as we define this praying about a decision that we don't look into this as a mystical way, as a way in which suddenly we're going to see a vision and things come falling down from the sky and suddenly there's going to be a message written across the cloud saying this is what you should do or this is the next step or all these different things. If we're not careful, prayer can become something in which we are looking for a very mystical way of answering and that's not what the Bible teaches. God teaches that if we want the will of God, and are ready to do what God says in prayer, God will lead and guide our heart. How does he do so? Look at 1 Kings chapter 19. We've been holding our place there for a few minutes. Let's get to it. Let's get to this portion of scripture here tonight. The Bible says, and he came thither. This is speaking of Elijah. Elijah has just come from Mount Carmel, and we'll relay more into that story here in just a moment. But Elijah is now, after Mount Carmel, seeing fire come down from heaven. Uh, he's now deeply depressed. Uh, Elijah is now at a point in which we'll see in just a moment that he looks to God and says, God, just kill me. There's no reason for me to even live. Wait a minute. He just came from Mount Carmel and saw God rain fire down from heaven, consume the altar in which he built. Incredible story. And yet, here's Elijah. Notice what the Bible says. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire a still small what? voice don't miss that we're going to pull principle out here and it was so when elijah heard it that he wrapped his his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave and behold there came a voice unto him and said what doest thou here elijah and he said i have been very jealous for the lord god of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, throw down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. 
And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. Elijah has just come from Mount Carmel. He's seen God rain fire down from heaven to consume his sacrifice. He expects this as a moment in which it's going to draw the hearts of the children of Israel back to God. And it doesn't happen like Elijah thought it was going to happen. He thought it was going to be a moment of great revival, of great coming back to the Lord. He says, I've been very jealous. I've been very zealous. He said, I've, I've, I've worked. I've labored. I've, uh, I've preached. I've done all that I know of doing. And it seems like it just all come to naught. And he's in a moment in which he is away from where God met and powerfully moved. He was in Mount Carmel, which if you look on a map of Israel, Mount Carmel is way, way north in Israel. And here, by this brook, by this river, he's now in Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb is all the way on the very southern part of Israel, nearly going into Arabia and into that Arabian Peninsula there. It's about as far south as you can go. It's where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And here is now Elijah. And Elijah needs to hear from God. His heart is deeply, deeply distressed. Elijah's looking for a big announcement. He's looking for something from God that would resonate loudly and clearly and would truly answer the plea of his heart. But how does God come to him? How does God come to Elijah here? He doesn't come, and the Bible says, in the great wind or the great earthquake. But rather he comes in what? A still, small voice. Elijah needed to focus on the heart and the voice of God. And to focus means he needed to draw his attention not to the loud wind, not to the loud earthquake, but to that still, small voice. There were other things that were going on. There were other things that could capture his attention. But in order for Elijah to hear the voice of God, he had to listen for that still, small voice. That is the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer truly is taking your surrendered heart and saying, God, direct, lead, guide, and shape my heart to do your will. I'm listening to your voice. I want to listen to that still, small voice. As we think about listening to the voice of God in the decision-making process, I want us to look at four things here this evening first of all 
if we're going to listen to the voice of God, we need to quiet your world. What does that mean? If we're going to quiet our world, if we're going to quiet the things around us, we need to come to a point in our heart where our heart is focused upon simply obeying God. Focused fully upon wanting to listen to that voice. And with a heart of complete surrender, wanting to obey that voice. When it came time for me to make the decision of going to Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church and becoming the assistant pastor there, it was a time in which God had settled in my heart such a clear choice before me that I fully believed if I were to do anything else, I'd be disobeying the very voice of God. I would not be obeying what God has for me. It had had to come into a time in which I had to recognize and surrender in my own heart and life and say, God, this is your will. This is what you have for us. And God, I want to obey your voice. I don't want to disobey you. And our heart needs to quiet and to look at choosing to surrender to him. You know, why would God give us more information about the steps of the will of God if we are not willing to surrender and obey Him in the first place. Why would He? He would have no reason to show us what's next if our heart is already steadfast and not obeying Him. If our heart is not surrendered towards Him, He's not going to lead us because we're not leadable. Prayer comes to a point in which we say, God, I want your voice. You see, there's so many things, there's so many opportunities that potentially take us away from what God wants us to do. You think of someone who is looking at maybe choosing to date and looking at the uh, choices that are set before. and Maybe there's a uh, hundred choices, if we could put it that way. And, uh, but if there's a hundred choices, there's one, so to speak, that is God's choice. Oh, there's other opportunities, but there is one that has God's fingerprint on whom one should date and whom one should say, I do on the marriage altar. And it is listening to the heart and the mind or the heart and the voice of God and saying, God, which one is it that you are directing my heart to? God, there are other opportunities. There are other things that are options in my life. Now, God, which one is it that you want for me to do? It's like, an, uh, it's like a young man uh, beginning into his adult life and all the options that are before him. He can go to university. He could begin maybe apprenticeship. He could maybe begin a job. He could maybe begin a slow career starting with maybe some menial work and growing, in a, uh, growing with a company or in a company. And he could look at all the different options of where he could live or what he could do. And maybe there's 10 options before him, but there's one that has the heart and the voice of God behind it. How does he choose? How does he look at it and recognize that this is what God has for us? 
it's coming to a point in prayer in which we recognize it's not what I want, but it is where God's will is for me. It is a, 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 a draining, uh, it's, not, it's not the right word, it's, it's relieving ourselves, uh, I'm still struggling for the word here, uh, of our own will, it's surrendering our will and wanting what God has for us. You know, things that we determine um, where we spend our time and where we spend our focuses on might be good things, but they might not be good God things. The things in which we want as options all might be good things, and often that is the case when we are talking about the decision-making process. It's not a sinful and a good choice often. Uh, Often it is a choice of good, and what God wants. This is a good thing to do. But is this what God wants to do? We look before the things in which we see that are good things, but there are one that is what God desires for us to do. And Satan is happy for us. He's happy for us to do good things if it's not what God wants to do. You see, good things that are not what God wants us to do are still not fulfilling the will of God. This is often a struggle. Sometimes the struggle is between good and evil. Sometimes there's someone who'll say, should I be a preacher or should I be a drug dealer? <laughs> you know, and that's, that's kind of a very, a, 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 a very good or bad, ev- or good, a bad, a good or an evil choice for, sure, for certain. But truly tonight, we need to know what God's will is. And other voices need to be quiet in our heart and life. I want to illustrate this tonight, if I may. Um, Brother John Tells, can I have your help for a moment? Could you come and could you stand right in front of the pulpit here? And I'm going to ask all of my boys, if you would, uh, to come. David, make sure that everyone can see the screen fully and completely there. The camera is clear. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm going to use Brother John Sellis tonight as a illustration here this evening. All right, here's what I want you to do. And uh, guys, I want you uh, to take a part, not a part like as in rip apart, but just take a piece of Brother John's jumper there uh, and hold it and like you're trying to pull him uh, your direction so i want you to just grab a piece of his jumper there go ahead there samuel but nathan or david you need to grab on there you can grab on something there too and uh go a different direction david go a different direction stand in front of him and like you're pulling him a different direction there you go and come on just just grab onto his jumper he's not going to bite and uh and so now now let's yeah don't don't rip it that's for sure but uh pulling him different directions now let's just say let's just say um John has some different choices here. Samuel is saying, Brother John, I believe it's your, I believe it's God's will for you uh, to build a brand new playground out behind the church here. And I want you to build this playground. And so that's what Samuel would like for you to do. But, but Nathan says, but Brother John, I think you would be a better help in, uh, uh, in teaching me and others some guitar uh, here at the church. I want you to do so. And so Samuel's pulling one way. 
Nathan's pulled another way, and Jonathan says, Brother John, I would really think you should start your own landscaping company with me. You should become a gardener, and you should just work all over the, lawn, all over the gardens, all over Scummersdale, and I think you should go this way. And then David's saying, you know what? I have a really, really ugly, old, old sister that I think you should marry. And uh, uh, I, I want you to come this way. I want you to marry her. And they're pulling each way. Now, guys, here's what I want you to do for just a moment. I want you all to talk to Brother John at the exact same time and talk to him for a moment as I speak. Go ahead and try to convince him to go your way. Try to convince him to play the, build a playground or to uh, marry your ugly sister uh, and uh, convince him to do so. Go ahead, guys. Can talk and uh, try to convince him to do so. all right quiet here for just all right all right guys thank you Uh, hold on just a second samuel there's they're pulling how does he know which one to do how does he know which option to go to he looks maybe at samuel and says you know what i would love to build a playground but I don't have any tools at this point, or maybe I just need to think and pray about it at this point. And so he says, Samuel, thank you, but I need to think about this a little bit longer. And so he dismisses Samuel, and Samuel goes and sits down. He looks at David and says, I've been wanting to get married, but she's just too ugly, David. Uh, I'm sorry, it's just I just can't go that direction. I'm sorry, but I'm not going that way. And so he dismisses David. He looks at Jonathan and he says, Jonathan, he says, I, gotta, I would have really have to think and pray hard about that one. I don't know if I'll be able to do that gardening. Jonathan, let me think about this for just a time. And so he dismisses Jonathan. And he looks at Nathan. And he says, Nathan, I love the guitar, but I want to make sure this is what God wants. I want to make sure this is what God's desire is. And so, Nathan, let me pray about this for a little bit and let me see if this is what God would want me to do. And he dismisses Nathan for a time. And what is it now? All of a sudden, all of a sudden, the voices that have been surrounding him have been quieted. Now, we could even speak into this further that even John has a option. Maybe there's something else that he's thinking about that he really wants to do. And this is another option all, uh, apart from all the other things that are around him speaking into him and speaking to the choices that are set before him. There are choices around. Now, how do we quiet those voices? Thank you, John. You may be seated. I appreciate you. Let me use that as illustration. You know, this is over the past couple of months that led up to the decision of moving to Shenandoah Bio Baptist Church, this is a decision, this is a counsel part that I asked my counselors before I even asked them about the specific job or specific option. Here's what I asked them. How can I hear God's voice in this situation? Because there's options. There's choices that God brought to me. 
but I want to hear God's voice on this. I want to hear God's instruction on this. I want God's voice. Some of the counselors says, you should jump on it right away. And I, I dismissed it. I said, that's not what I'm looking for. I, I want to know how I can hear God's voice in a very clear and plain way. I'm not talking about some mystical type of thing. Don't get me wrong here. But as I pray and as I seek God, I want to know how to hear His voice. And some of the very things in which I have taught over these past weeks have been direct things that God taught my heart through His Word on how to hear His voice. And I'm so very grateful that even my pastor, um, even as he gave the option and the presentation of the job, there was about a two-week time span there where I would ask a question. I began to see some clarity. And I would ask a question and there would be no response at all. None. And for about a week or longer, there would be no response And all of a sudden, he just replied and said, Justin, I've just been leaving on purpose my voice out of the conversation. Because I want you to know God's voice. I want you to hear his words. I'm thankful my pastor had the the wisdom to understand that I needed all the voices around me to be quiet. You know, even you spoke voices to me. You, you had no idea what was going on in this heart. In the consternation or in the decipherness. And there was times where I would get alone with God in the wee hours of the morning and sleepless nights. And I would say, God, it's quiet and still right now. And God, I want to hear your voice. What is it that you're leading and directing to? I wanted all the voices to be quiet so I could listen to that still, small voice. There needs to be a decisional time in which we truly have that goal of prayer, and I believe this is the goal of prayer, is to quiet the voices around us so we can focus on that voice of God. And with that quieting, we then need to know, secondly, and understand how God speaks. I'm going to make a statement here tonight. If you get nothing else tonight, don't miss this. The point of prayer is not to get my way, but to get God's way. Always. Is that not what Jesus taught when he taught the disciples to pray? Did he not tell the disciples to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus taught the disciples that their heart in prayer is to not get their way, but rather to have God's way in the situation. To know what God's direction and to know what God's will and plan is that he has for us it is coming to a point in which we desire to hear god's wonderful voice 
in essence, it's aligning. Prayer is a time of aligning our will to God's. When I was young, my dad worked uh, as a businessman, business owner, and he had an electronics business. And this was back when VCRs and even 8-tracks and things. I remember 8-tracks and all those things. You remember those uh, big boxes that you would shove into the uh, instrument panel of your car. And, uh, and if it got caught and the ribbon would come out and all those different things with it. And, uh, but I remember those times in which all radio or all television was coming over antenna before even cable. This was the time when even before the powerful stations that are developed now, and especially in the states when you would li- if you're living out in a certain area, a remote part or a farm, and you were trying to pick up a television station, you would have to direct that antenna towards the way of that ra- ra- or that television station. And I remember that there would be those, uh, uh, my dad would put up those antennas, and uh, tall antennas on the side of buildings with that uh, big uh, aerial that would move, and it would be sometimes mechanized, and you would turn this knob inside, and you hear this thing going, as it started moving and directing towards that. And then you would even then at that point uh, look at the aerials that were coming into your television that was fed by your antenna. And sometimes you have to hold it just right. And uh, the picture would start to go fuzzy and you would touch the, in, uh, touch the aerial and all of a sudden the picture would clear up. And sometimes you had to stand looking at the television with your finger on that aerial because that's the only way you could get the clear radio or clear television uh, picture. I remember those times, and that's what very much is a good analogy of us wanting to dial in our heart to what God's will is. God, would you make it clear? It might be fuzzy right now. The picture's not in focus. God, would you make it very clear? Would you direct my heart? Would you direct my heart's antenna? to the direction in which you want me to go. The next step, lead, guide, and direct me. And it is very much of a point in which we focus and surrender in our hearts to a point in which we listen to the voice of God. Because God speaks to listening hearts. He is always speaking always speaking and he speaks through his word if we're going to understand how he speaks we need to understand that he speaks through his word his word is always there his word is ready his there his word is there for us and god truly loves to speak and align our hearts through his revealed word and it is will is never never, ever going to be contrary to the Word of God. Never. Never. If you're praying about becoming a drug dealer, stop about stop it right now because that's not the direction of will, will, the will of God. Why? Because the Bible says so. That's contrary to the Word of God. It's not going to be what God desires. Years ago, I remember pastoring a Nigerian man and He came to me after a dream in which he uh, uh, dreamed 
something taking place. And after that dream, he came to me and he says, Pastor, I'm leaving church. I'm taking my whole family with me. His family was blossoming, beginning to grow in the gospel. They were doing so well. And he says, we're leaving church. And I said, where are you going? We're not going to church at all. We're just leaving church. Why? Because I had a dream. And because of this dream, I'm leaving. That's not biblical. That's not scriptural. That's not right. Prayer and allowing God's word through prayer to shape our hearts will never take us a step contrary to God's word. Prayer, in essence, helps us to align, align our hearts with God's truth. And as prayer aligns our hearts with God's word, he begins to bring clarity. He begins to give us scripture that help us decipher and help us not, well, not decipher, but help us to see. Decipher is a bad word, but see where God is leading. For me, over these past months has been Psalm 1, has been one of the portions of scripture that God has rested in my heart of speaking about a planting by the river and God bringing fruit in due time. And God began through so many circumstances, began to reveal that he was trying to show me that truth through his word. It was incredible, even all the way up to the day before the decision. I'll never forget it. Brother John, you and I were talking, and as we were talking, just out of a the conversation changed in complete direction and he began teaching or began speaking about that very truth I just spoke of in Psalm 1. He had no idea what the next day was going to be or what God was leading my heart and yet God was using a conversation along with many other things. There were messages, there were uh, so many conversations that I had, so many things in which God brought to me over and over and over again to drive home that principle that God was bringing fruit in due time and that was something that God used in my heart to help clear and to guide and to help me to see that this was his voice that was speaking it wasn't an earthquake it wasn't a wind but it was rather a still small voice he said Justin are you listening are you paying attention God speaks as we pray through His Spirit in our heart. His Spirit begins to shape, and His Spirit begins to confirm, and His Spirit begins to give clarity. This is going to sound a little odd for a moment, but, but bear with me for just a moment. As I prayed through this decision, and as God began to bring clarity the best way I could describe it was it was like looking through a part of a windscreen that was clear and a part of another windscreen that was becoming foggy, that was becoming less and less visible to be seen through. I don't know how else to fully describe it. But it was like God was making something ultra clear in my heart. He was bringing clarity in a situation of this, uh, and what God was doing here, God was saying, 
I'm bringing, I'm changing the focus. I'm trying to give clarity and direction. God speaks through His Spirit and He resonates truth in our hearts, giving us direction in His Word. God speaks through godly counselors, and we're going to speak on this more in the coming weeks, Since I'm not going to mention much more of this other than it's more of like a safety net. God gives us counselors and a multitude of godly counselors to be able to validate or in essence to give a safety net that we've not missed something or that we haven't or that there's some red flags warning signs indicating that we're going or trying to go the wrong direction but god speaks to listening hearts listening hearts that's so key and that's where prayer comes in. It is a moment in which we just simply purge ourselves of ourselves and say, God, I want what your voice says. Help me to hear your word. Job said this very thing. In Job chapter 33, verse number 14, he says, For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. The Bible teaches us that so often God's speaking, but man is not tuned in, is not aligned to what God's voice is saying. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse number 8, we see the story that's very familiar to us. story of Samuel and how Samuel was being called of the Lord. God would, God was coming to Samuel in the night and speaking out to his name, Samuel, Samuel. And he would go to Eli and say, here am I. And he did it the first time and then the second time. And then we see in verse number eight, the third time, and the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived the Lord had called the child. And the Bible teaches us that Eli told Samuel to go and to say, here am I, Lord. And the Bible teaches us that Samuel went and obeyed. And he did ask and listen for that still small voice as God patiently once again came to Samuel. And Samuel listened and God began to do a work in Samuel's heart and life. The point of prayer is to allow our hearts to listen. To listen to listen to God's voice. Number three, pray with pure motives. We ought to pray to hear God and not manipulate Him. Understand, you can't fake God out. God sees your heart. As you pray, God sees it. You can't justify your heart before God. He sees it. He knows what's there. You can't cover it. As we pray, we need to pray with a pure motive. God, I want your motive. I want your heart. Number four, pray patiently and persistently. The Bible teaches us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Praying without ceasing is really entering into a mode where you continually pray. What does that mean? That means instead of hanging up the phone, 
It amazes me how quickly some people can hang up the phone as you're speaking on a mobile or something. It amazes me. Uh, there are times where, where I'm done with the conversation, I'm saying bye, and as I'm saying bye, before I can even get the receiver off of my ear, uh, or the, my phone off my ear, I can hear the other person already hanging up. I'm thinking, how do you hit end call that quickly? Uh, some are very, very good at that. It's like, uh, it's like a race. How, who, who can end the call first? And some, <laughs> some are very, very quick at that. Uh, it amazes me who, who can do that. But that's not what praying without ceasing is like keeping the phone always on. Never ending the call. You're driving down the road. God, I'm here again. What is it that you are leading? How are you directing here? God, I want your focus. I want your will here. God, I I want to see things like you see. God, I want to step out by faith. God, I just need to know what step it is that you want me to take. These are good choices. I have choices before me. Now, which one am I going to take? I've got a multitude of options here. Which one am I going to move forward? Which one has your will behind it and on it? It is a constant attitude of prayer. Desiring and fervently wanting to see and to hear the voice of God. You see, God is more interested in showing Himself to me, stating, I'll lead you if you pray. It's interesting to me that in Psalms chapter 10, verse number 4, God defines a wicked man. Notice, what he says the wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after god god is not in all his thoughts it is interesting to me that god defines a wicked man by one who never thinks about god never thinks about what god wants never thinks about what god has planned or his will is So what does that mean a righteous man would do? A righteous man that has a heart that's following and pursuing God is one that is meditating upon God, is thinking about Him, is desiring to hear His voice, wanting to be in His presence. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 5, verse number 22, And Enoch walked with God. And all the days of Enoch were 60 and 5 years, and Enoch walked with God. The Bible teaches us that Enoch desired to walk with God. He walked with the Lord. He walked with our precious Savior. He walked with our wonderful Redeemer. He walked with God. He desired to be with God. And he was with God. Can I give you a simple acronym as we close tonight? To help in prayer. If you write down the word ACTS, A-C-T-S. And beside the letter A, if you would write the word adoration. 
adoration of loving and just showing your appreciation and just worshiping God for who He is. We've tried to do that these years of trying to lift up God, lift up Christ, and for you to recognize in His mighty fullness and His mighty power and His mighty strength. My friends, I want you to see God in His greatness. I want you to lift up God higher and higher. I want you to exalt Him above everything else. My friends, would you please, uh, Scummersdale Baptist Church at this time, would you please put man at a distant second and would you put God at a prominent first? Adore Him. Worship Him. He is worthy of our adoration. See under Acts, confession. Confessing, again, going along with a pure heart. Once again, confessing sin. Asking God to reveal things in our heart that, are, that, uh, that, uh, that displease Him. And confess those things. Forsake those things and get those things right before a holy God. Come to Him and say, God, I'm sorry I've sinned. Forgive me. T, thanksgiving. Thank Him. Thank Him. Oh, there's so much to thank our wonderful God about. Oh, we have so, so much to be grateful for. Give much thanksgiving. And S, supplication. Supplication is another word for request. Request, this is where we finally come to a point in which we say, okay, God, what is it that you want me to do? I'm listening to your voice. I'm listening to your word. I'm listening to your spirit. I'm listening to the counselors you've given. I'm listening. Now help me to have my heart aligned to yours. So often as we look at prayer, we become impatient. But prayer is a process. You see, God is not a vending machine. We don't just simply put our 50 pence into the prayer machine of God and say, God, I expect an immediate answer. I prayed. Now, where's the result? That's not how prayer works. Prayer is a process. Uh, Nathan, run up here real quick, if you would, please. Let Let me use you as an illustration here this morning, or this afternoon, evening, whatever time of the day it is. Night, midnight, not quite yet. All right, stand. Let's see. David, how far can he go till he's out of the camera? I want to, I want people to see him. Right there? Is he is he okay? Okay, stand right there. Let's picture Nathan making a decision. And there's a timeline that happens. Maybe this timeline, can you still see me on camera? Okay, good. Maybe this timeline could represent a day. It might represent a week. It might represent months. Maybe years, even decades. But prayer is a process, and as one is praying... God says, I'm leading you to this process. I'm leading you to where I want you to be through prayer. And it might not be overnight. But here's what happens. So often, I've been over this way too many times, more than I care to admit to. 
where God says, I'm leading you a direction, Justin, and I begin coming and I get almost to where God wants, almost to where God is going to say, here's what I want, here's what I'm going to do. And I say, you know what, God? I'm really kind of tired of waiting. I'm going to go things my direction. And I go a way in which God did not intend for me to go because I got impatient at that point. And I said, I'm not going to travel that way any further. I'm going to take care of things my way. I'm going to do it my, my direction. And at that very point, I miss what God has for me. And I was right there. I don't know how long that process in prayer is going to be for your life. I don't know the process of prayer and uh, the, the length in which God is going to show exactly the next step in your life. But I do know this. If you allow him to lead you and direct you every step of the way to where he has for that decision, one day you're going to get to the point where you're, where God says, Here's where it is. Here's where the choice is. Here's where I've been leading you. Go through the process of prayer. Thank you, Nathan. This process truly is it's painful and it's also beautiful. It's painful because we don't like to be patient. <laughs> we don't like to be persistent in prayer. But it's beautiful in the fact in which if we surrender to prayer along the way, it enables us to come to a point where we stop fretting. The anxieties melt away. And as we go through this process of prayer, it comes to a point in which God, we say, God, whatever you decide, I'm surrendered. I trust you. Now lead. And God, if you lead me tomorrow, wonderful. If you lead me three years from now, wonderful. If it's three decades from now, wonderful. It's in your hands. I'm not worrying about it anymore. It's not mine. You will lead at the right time, at the right place. That's a wonderful place to be. That's a beautiful place to be. It's when we start becoming a gremlin, if we could put it that way, in our own plans and try to get things our own way is when suddenly we start bringing voices into the options around us. There needs to be a time in this decision-making process where we stop all the voices and say, God, I just want to hear yours. I'm walking this direction. I'm going step by step, patiently and persistently, knowing that you've got that perfect way, that you've got that perfect will. And I want that voice. I want to hear your voice. May I ask you this morning, or this evening. I'm getting my times all confused here tonight. <laughs> May I encourage you tonight to listen. To listen to the voice of God. Pray. If you haven't surrendered, do it right now.
if you're trusting yourself or trusting your own abilities or trusting your own capabilities, would you stop and trust Him? Trust the Lord. And once we trust the Lord and are completely surrendered, pray about the decision that He has made. Put all the voices away. Dismiss them. And listen to the still, small voice.